Hello, Charles. Good to see you, Winston. So we've been talking a lot lately about laying the foundations for a company that can scale sustainably, overcoming the initial and potential future barriers that companies will face in their attempts to expand their business. That's right. And quick note to the listener, you can check those episodes of the podcast out if you haven't heard them yet. But it feels like one of the common threads that we keep tugging on as we unravel this topic of business expansion is that talent is an extremely crucial factor to a successful business and even more crucial for a business that wants to scale. Of course, the people that make up the business are its lifeblood. Companies live and die by the talent they can obtain and retain. Right, but what are the things growing companies have to keep in mind when it comes to talent? The way we've been discussing the topic, I doubt it goes the same for every company of every size, just handing out skills proficiency tests and being done with it there and then. Well, you're not wrong, but before we get into it, let's get into this show. Welcome to Unstoppable Expansion, a podcast by Tech in Asia and GP, where we're going to discuss some of the strategies every business needs to know to be able to thrive in any economic climate. I'm Charles Ferguson, APAC General Manager of GP. And I'm Winston Zhang, Managing Editor of Tech in Asia Studios. Now, I assume you're going to bring up a recent conversation you've had in which you just happened to discuss the answer to my question, right? So who have we got today, Charles? Very astute, Winston. So I recently spoke with Alan Jae-yoon Lee, Head of People at Aspire, and he's been in the HR business for almost 20 years now. 20 years? Wow, I can't imagine how much attitudes towards work and the relationship between employer and employee must have changed since he first started out. Well, surprisingly enough, Alan says that a lot of the things have actually remained the same. From like talent attraction, I think a lot kind of have changed, but still there are like fundamentals there. And again, it's also very individualized. So it's sometimes difficult to generalize, but at least uh, from my experience, considering some of the human nature when people um, seek their career and et cetera, I find there are like three key elements to attracting talents and what talent look for. And the three areas are company, job, and people. That makes sense. Like it matters how the company's financial health is because that tells an employee how secure their job is. But it also matters how aligned the company's values are to their own personal values. Yes, and whether the job is interesting or exciting enough to the worker is important as well because who wants to spend most of their life doing something boring? Yeah, and then the uh, people part refers, I guess, to the people that a talent would work with or work for. Could be pretty tiring to spend nine to five with people you don't like. Spot on. But although the three key areas that people consider about a job have remained more or less the same, the priorities in which they rank those things are what's shifting with the next generation. Let's say that for the company factor, I see more in people really valuing the mission and purpose of the organization rather than like even just the financial stability and things. So I think there's differences between what you value when you think about a company. Let's say if you go to a job, I think what the difference is, the newer generation perhaps is uh, valuing more on the flexibility of the job. So that's also kind of a more important depending on you know your demographics, I feel. And the last part, let's say manager, I feel there is much higher expectation for a manager to be in a lot of different ways compared to the I mean, traditional, let's say, manager. I think there's a high expectation. There's also low tolerance for bad manager, to be honest. Yeah, that tracks. We found the worlds become increasingly more connected. Talent from every corner of the globe is almost sport for choice when it comes to the companies that they can choose to work for. 
And that changes the entire relationship dynamic between them and their work. Exactly. And that's without even mentioning how different a remote working role is from the days of the past where work only meant being stuck in cubicles with your eyes glued to the computer screen for hours on end. And the thing is, these factors don't just play into how attractive a company is to potential hires. It also affects how well businesses can retain the talent they already have. So let's say if someone is really like their job has changed, so it's they are not enjoying as much as they used to be. But if they are still like really believing in the company's mission and vision, if they really enjoy the people they work with, their managers, they will probably stay. But still, at the same time, even if the company may not be doing well, if your job is super interesting and exciting and you're growing, also your people are you know very enjoyable to work with, you you probably stay. That's true, but how does all of this play into hiring strategies for companies in scaling mode? Well, that's really just the backdrop of the conversation, because one of the big questions a company that is expanding into a new market has to consider is how to structure the leadership within their business once they've set up shop in multiple locations. I mean, to me, it starts with like the, the fundamental questions around you know centralization and decentralization. And that's age old, isn't it? That's like the perennial challenge for every company. Which model do we use? You know? Yes, exactly. And like, it's really whether you want to focus on the global leverage or do you want to really be locally empowering the business? And I think every business has different kind of aspects to it or strategies to it. And it should be. Uh, and as the company grows as well, I think the company has to always kind of rethink about that right balance. Because coming from my experience, for example, you know, companies who are more established, who have gained more larger global footprints already, they tend to focus on more the centralization piece where they want to really, really reap the benefit of a global leverage. However, when I was probably looking into more startups, it would be more helpful if they can be empowering the local business as well. And I think it's not always like one size fits all, but it's, I think, to start with how much do you want to centralize versus decentralize in terms of work structure, in terms of decision making, in terms of talent. I think all those things is an important factor that you think through it before you, for example, enter into a market or do a global expansion. On top of that, as we touched on earlier, with how much more connected the world is right now, it's not just talent that has the opportunity to work for a company on the other side of the world. Businesses are now able to tap into a much deeper well of talent by accessing the global market. Yes, so that's actually quite a new trend. That is super exciting, if you ask me, because I think that's one of the trends that we see a bit more after COVID and after flexible work has been really implemented more widely. Like for instance, our company, we have a lot of engineers, let's say in India, but we don't have a physical space. And that's really kind of showing, it just opens up so much opportunities for the companies to hire from different locations, regardless of, you know, to your point, like the commercial aspect of it, because like it just opens up for so much talent and opportunities if you just really be more flexible around location. Right. So because of how much the working world has changed, especially in the last couple of years, the number of things that companies now need to consider before setting out on a market expansion has increased exponentially. That's exactly right. But I wonder how much that has shaped what goes on in the interview room, or I suppose the Zoom calls. Well, essentially, the way companies have to assess each potential hire has changed drastically, whether or not they're looking to scale. 
what I see as a change in terms of talent requirement is actually what we call values or some company called culture fit, some company calls like whether the, the candidate aligns with our value system. So it, it's called in slightly different ways, but I do see there is more and more emphasis on that just because nowadays the companies have very different cultures and are very different stages of their growth. So I think the companies are more realizing, I mean, aside from just the pure skill set, it's really important for them to find someone who will be really be aligned with our value system, but not just alignment, but who could really add on and to add value to our value system as well. So I see that part actually quite more important or consider being more important compared to the past. I can imagine that gets a little bit messy, you know, assessing soft skills, which are much harder to qualify compared to technical hard skills, where you can just do a rapid fire quiz or get candidates to fill out a test sheet or something. Oh yeah, it's incredibly difficult. Like, how do you know a potential hire doesn't just know the right thing to say during an interview? But it's not escape people like Alan that it's hard to assess these types of skills. And so the industry is actually putting a lot of effort into figuring out a way to do it accurately. So we tried to operationalize that a bit. But yeah, there are definitely people who really, really have successful career in an established organization, but also very like thrive in this startup environment. And we want that type of talent because, you know, startups are not, not going to be startup forever. You want to grow. They need people who knows what grades looks like and have built that. But there are some indicators of predicting that. For example, I mean, exactly to your point, someone who may have stayed with the organization for a long time, but have like, done some entrepreneurial pursuits in, within the organization. Or someone who were in a very large organization, but kind of tried out different organizations throughout their career, right? So they might have stretched themselves a bit into a bit more, let's say, scrappy environment and also found them quite interesting themselves. So if you kind of look into their career and how they have navigated the challenge, you would see some indicators of what that person could really perform in this role. And you need to kind of really assess that point to make sure that person, with, despite the different profiles, could succeed in the new environment. Okay, I see. But on that last note about succeeding in a new environment, it can be all well and good in the beginning, but how can companies ensure that talent that they bring on board continues to drive the business to success? Well, it all really comes down to the middle management on the ground. On a day-to-day -day basis, it happens on the ground with you having really meaningful career conversation with the manager. So our kind of also focus has been really ensuring our managers have these regular sync with their employee. Like, let aside all the work related to a business as usual things, but really focus on development, career aspirations. And again, going back to your point, I think the key thing here is identifying which skill set would help that individual for both him or herself, but for the team. So identifying the skills and, and agreeing with really actionable next steps. To, to get there. Like the, the goal is for this kind of conversation to be ha happening very regularly throughout the whole organization, which I think is very powerful from my perspective. But again, like that means that our managers need to be really equipped and trained on these things, which is our focus at the moment. And again, it's an opportunity and a challenge. That sounds like a lot to entrust to middle managers, which, hey, I'm one of them. That's right but all it takes is ensuring that you keep on top of your performance reviews. Of course, if people perform well, they're rewarded for it, right? Well, actually it goes way beyond just that. 
the performance management will continue, and I think it's really an important part of the organization. And that needs to be really, really solid, meaning, you know, you need to have a solid mechanism for employees to understand where they are, what they do well, what they don't do well, and what are the ways that to help them. So I think that would be like to me, like a fundamentally important aspect. But what's I think changing, it should like be more wider in a way that it's not just about, you know, this quarter or, or this year. But like, let's say if there are things that was you know good or that needs to be improved, then what's the next steps in terms of you know helping that employee to be better? And that could be in the form of career conversation. That could be in, in the form of you know feedback and coaching. So I think performance management needs to be scoped a bit wider in a way that it, it includes the whole life cycle of that employee and really from the intention to to grow and develop that employees. And again, like there needs to be an aspect of rating and assessment, but I think it shouldn't stop there. Wow. Okay. I have a lot more to think about now. It's seeming a lot more relevant to my role as a manager, no longer just the amusing I have about what it takes for a growing company to succeed. Well, before I leave you to ruminate on what we've talked about, I'll just add one last thing from my conversation with Alan about the importance of talent when it comes to the success of a business. I do think we shouldn't think talent as an isolated topic. I think in an ideal world, it needs to come from the top, meaning the vision and the mission of the company. Right? So where do we want to go? Why we are here? And that would be very, very different across different organizations. But I think it needs to start from there. So to get there, there will be like strategies or operating priorities to get there. But like then talent comes in in that phase. So you know, what type of talent do we want? What type of culture do we want to build? What type of, you know, employee value proposition we want to provide? And that should be linked with that mission vision of your organization and the strategy. So then like all the, like the people and talent initiatives or strategies are also aligned. And I think we need to really rethink our, of that periodically because things change, whether then that the talent strategy that we've set previously aligned with the overall mission, is that still relevant or do we have to tweak again? So I don't think it's also static, but I think it's always like taking a moment to really review that it's, it's aligned and whether there's a need for uh, changes there. Right. So as long as you're constantly keeping tabs on your talent, continuously ensuring that they're incentivized to stay with you through an expansion or more, and as long as you keep your company attractive enough of a prospect for more people to join, you're all good. Oh no, far from it. Wait, there's more? Much more. For one, you need to ensure that you're running your business like a ship that can handle the waves, especially the waves that you might not see coming. Doing a startup, I believe that, you know, you generally just have to know that it's a long road and the best founders, you know, have this character where they have something more. They're look, they have a purpose where they're looking to solve a problem. And so therefore, when the going gets tough, they'll find a way to go to break through, to go around that wall instead of just giving up. So we got one more episode. We do. But in the meantime, I hope you, you the listener, enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to check out the previous episodes of Unstoppable Expansion, where Winston and I dive into more of the strategies every business needs to know to be able to thrive in any economic climate. And if you like us enough or have any thoughts on this episode, make sure to let us know by giving us five stars and a nice review on your podcast platform of choice. 
And of course, if you're a business leader and thinking of or in the process of scaling your business and you'd like to know how we at GP can help you in your expansion endeavors, make sure to visit our website at www.g-p.com. Until next time, I'm Charles Ferguson. And I'm Winston Song. And we'll catch you next time.